let me uh, introduce our, our guests for this morning. Some of you already know them. Others of you uh, might not have seen them before or remember. And so I'll just give you uh, kind of the highlights of who they are. We have with us this morning Dr. Mark and Linda Hosfeld. They are our guests. Let me give you a little bit of their, uh, their bio. Their ministry experience includes having served as pastors here in the United States up in Chicago. Then they were missionaries to the Islamic Republic of Pakistan and served as area directors for the Assemblies of God World Missions in the Central Eurasia, Eurasia region. Linda currently serves as the founder and international director of a program called Say Hello, Serving Muslim Women under the umbrella of Global Initiative uh, to Reach Muslim People that the AG is um, part of. Say Hello is a program designed to equip the local church globally for outreach to Muslims. And a big part of that is being able to help equip kids to live missionally and help women understand how to connect and witness to Muslim women. So if you were here, the last time they were with us, they uh, talked quite a bit about that. And Linda did quite a bit with our kids and provided great materials and resources. And we got to learn a lot about uh, women in a Muslim context. I hope you remember all of that. It was quite good. And uh, she did a lot with our kids last time. This time we said, just come and be a part of the service. We're not going to send you to the to the back this, this time. Uh, but she has an incredible ministry and I uh, would encourage you. I know we don't have a lot of of, uh, Muslim people around us. Some of us may uh, have some relationships like that, though, and that's a great mission field for us, and so we want to equip you and prepare you. I have lots of resources and ways to get you that kind of information provided by the Hosfelds, and so uh, if, if that's something, if you know someone in that area, please talk to me. Let me help equip you and resource you so we can reach out to those people who do need to know the Lord. Uh, Linda's also a member of the board at Evangel Temple, which is the church that um, Lee and I came from in Springfield, Missouri. So she has quite an impressive resume all of her own. Dr. Hosfeld currently serves as the president of PAC7US, which is a media ministry to the church and people of Pakistan. And we're going to hear uh, more about that specifically today. He's also the professor of urban and Islamic studies at Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. He previously was the president of AGTS. He's been the director of the Europe Muslim Dysphoria Initiative and the director of Global Initiative Reaching Muslim People. He also has a long resume of uh, accomplishments. And we're just, I'm just hitting highlights here. Some of you, as I said, were here when they were with us before. We did a, a little weekend conference we called Beyond Borders, and they came up graciously that weekend, conducted several sessions, and we had a wonderful meal together and time for Q&A, and I was so proud of some of you trying curry and mint chutney for the first time in your life. It was awesome. Hopefully some of you enjoyed that. Uh, if not, well, you know, we do. So it was great. We had a wonderful time. We had curry last night when they got here uh, to the house as, as well. Uh, we had a great time with that, and I, I hope that uh, that weekend is something that you remember. It was truly a blessing, I believe, not just to my family, but to our church as a whole. And so I'm excited that they're back here this weekend as well. Some of you uh, may not recognize them face-to-face, -face, but you might recognize the name. Um, I don't know if, if Dr. Hoss will talk at all about it, but we... Uh, we put his name out several times, gave updates to our church body back during COVID um, and all the kind of craziness of the world. Dr. Hosfeld actually contracted a very severe case of COVID and we were praying here for him. I hope you uh, were part of that, just asking the Lord to heal him. He, he really it was quite sick. He was in the hospital, um, the whole thing. Didn't know, he said publicly, didn't know if he'd ever leave the hospital uh, alive. Didn't know if he'd ever be able to do what he's about to do today and share the word of God, the impact, um, the, the, the difficulty he was having, breathing, all of that. But the Lord was so gracious 
to answer prayers and heal him. And we're just so grateful for that. We believe in a God who heals. Amen. He's a testimony of that. We have many others in the room who are testimonies of that. And so I'm grateful that today they're here and we'll get to hear from him. We'll get to hear from the word of God as he will preach this morning. I want to tell us a little bit about Pac-7, and then I'm going to let him kind of fill us in on all the details. I want you to understand um, what a little bit of, of our connection to this. Back in February, Dr. Hosfeld had called me, and he invited me uh, to pray about Malia and I coming to a special event that he was leading in, in a few months. So at the very beginning of May, after we had prayed about it, worked out all the logistics, we were able to go down to Branson for this special event. It was a weekend, uh, or a beginning of a week event for a few days to get to learn more about Pac-7. And uh, it was a wonderful time that we had together and we got to meet some of the other individuals who um, I'm sure he'll reference who are leaders in the, in the Pac-7 ministry there. We met uh, Andrew Hart, who is the Pac-7 international CEO. He uh, lives and works out of England, and uh, he was here for that, did some of the presentations. And we also met a, a young woman named Nana Ernest, who is a Pakistani who serves as the program manager on the ground there. So I have a picture uh, with her. This is Malia and I with her. She is an awesome young woman, very sharp, very, very talented, and she's the one who's on the ground running the things that Dr. Hosfeld will talk about. So he's here in the U.S. Uh, handling this side of things. Andrew's in England handling some of those things, but it's her and her team on the ground of Pakistanis producing the content that you're going to hear about in just a moment. It's an incredible ministry. Malia and I were uh, very excited to get to learn all about it and become partners with them. And this weekend, they're here to share a little bit about Pac-7 and uh, give us as a church the opportunity to join in and partnering with this incredible work to Pakistan. It's very needed. He'll explain a little bit of why this type of approach is um, necessary to reach this country. And so uh, with all of that, let me just invite Dr. Hosfeld to kind of come. He's got some slides and some things. He'll tell us a little bit about Pakistan and the Pac-7 ministry. And uh, then he's going to preach the word of God to us. So if you'll come, if you, Linda, you coming up too, or are you? No, you're good. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. You're welcome to. You, Linda, you, come on up. You tell her what to do. Yeah, come on. Uh, oh, this is my big chance in life. That's I get right. to tell her what to do in front of everybody. That's right. Come on up. <laughs> I demand you to. No, <laughs> I am dead later on. <laughs> we'll, we'll be in prayer. Thank you. That I got the mic. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, um, uh, just really grateful to be here with all of you this morning. Again, such a pleasure. Last time we were here, we left with full hearts and, and have kept those full hearts, and, and we have been really thrilled to be able to come back this morning. Um, well, one of, one of the joys of getting to travel so much and do so many things is that we get to do worship with lots of different kinds of people, right? And this morning, um, uh, Saul and Tobiah and Julia were up here, and when we were worshiping, they were doing something like this. <laughs> and you guys took me way back to a trip that we made to Ethiopia. Oh, yeah. um, we, we had done some global initiative teaching there, and we went to the Assemblies of God Church on Sunday, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people there. I mean, it was a really big church. And in their worship, during all of their singing, the whole worship time, everybody was doing this. <laughs> really, they were doing that. And I'm looking at Mark, and I'm thinking, what is this, you know? I mean, and it turns out that that is sort of a cultural way of expressing your delight 
and your honor to be in the presence of deity or someone really important. So let's say, you know, a, you know let's say that a monarch or someone would have walked in. They might have done the same thing. But this is literally how they worshiped there. And it was just really cool to see the kids doing that. I don't know if you knew you were doing that or not. <laughs> well, now you know. Um, thank all, thank, thanks to all of you. Thank you, all of you, for um, your generous support of ministries like ours and ours. Um, the wall in the uh, foyer, the entrance, testifies to your generosity. Mm. And we just want to say thank you for that. You have no idea, really, how far those funds reach and um, how important they are to us in the work that we do wherever we are. The Lord bless you. Amen. Amen. We'll take it down. You got it? Okay, make sure she made it down safely because uh, she's the one and only, and I don't even think about getting married again. So just make sure. She... <laughs> I always kid her. I said, if, if something happens to her, I'm becoming a Jesuit. So, <laughs> and she said, you'll last six weeks. So, anyway, whatever that means. <laughs> so, it's great to be here today. And the last time we were here, I was uh, 70 pounds heavier. And I didn't lose all the weight because of COVID. I lost all the weight because I was afraid of getting COVID, which I did. So I was probably at the healthiest I've been in 25 years when I got severe COVID and uh, double pneumonia, all four lobes. And I'm going to thank you. for praying for me because um, I really reached a, a time in my life and I've been around the Taliban, literally, and in Afghanistan and Pakistan, and been in some dangerous situations, which I never really felt were dangerous, but looking back, I thought, hmm, that's pretty edgy. But this was the first time in my life I thought, you know, I may not make it out of here. Am I ready to die? And I had this incredible peace. Yes, I was ready to die. That's a wonderful place to be. I mean, it sounds odd, but to really be at a point where this may really go south, and I'm ready to die, and getting there could be really tough. <laughs> but because of God's people's prayers, and I felt this prayer net in my life as a pastor and a missionary, I'd never felt this net. I felt like I was on a trapeze, and I missed the rung, <laughs> and I was tumbling down on a free fall, and this net of prayer caught me. And I've never felt the prayers of God's people like during the time I was in the hospital and in two months of recovery after that. So I want to thank you so much for your prayers. It, it, it really means the world. And so know that when you intercede for people, they are sensing that same net. So be busy about intercession for others. Be busy about intercession for others. So thank you. And uh, like I said, I lost 70 pounds. I realize that if I even live close to this church, that I would probably gain back that 70 pounds really quick. Uh, the great curry last night. And then this morning, you know, I had two great free-range eggs for breakfast right out of the backyard. And I thought, okay, that's it. Normally I don't eat breakfast, but they were delicious. And then come, and these pastries, these things that were in uh, Steve's Sunday school class, I mean... Um, I was so excited about getting two, and then I was going to go back for two more, but then the gates closed. <laughs> and I was really bitter about that, but I got over it. And then the men's function tonight, I mean, um, that's just amazing. And then, can I say one more thing? This has nothing to do with Pakistan or Pak 7. 
But in Hannibal is Cassano's Pizza. <laughs> Do you know, I was raised on Cassano Pizza because it began in Dayton, Ohio. That's where I was born and raised. And if you go in there, there are pictures of Dayton. It's the most bizarre thing to go into this Cassano's Pizza. It's like, why are these pictures of Cassano's in this Cassano's, you know, in Hannibal, Missouri? And I hear this one in Quincy. And so when I was talking to the server one day, the first time I ever saw it was coming into town. I thought, what is going on? And so I stopped, and everything's the same. It is a Cassano's. Like, it's from Dayton. Yeah. And, and the server said to me, um, when she found out I was from Dayton, she goes, oh, you're from our corporate headquarters. <laughs> so I thought that was great. Well, let's uh, get into the purpose of why we're here today, and that's not food. Um, but let, let's talk about POC 7, and then we're going to get into the meat of the Word of God. And it was so great to have Pastor and Malia come to our first major POC 7 event at Big Cedar. And this is what POC 7 is all about. It's really about showing uh, God's love to Pakistan through media platforms that I just want to share briefly about with you today. And so let's just go ahead and advance, and I'll give you a, more of an understanding of what we do in POC 7 and who we're ministering to. Do I have the means to do that or somebody else? Okay. Oh, there we go. So this gives you an idea of Pakistan. If you can see this, it's on the world watch list as the fifth most oppressive country in the world to be a Christian. And it's among the least reached of nations. And it's a very, very difficult place to be a witness. We were there for seven years as missionaries. We started Teen Challenge in Pakistan. First time it was started in a fundamental Muslim country. And then we also were part of two church plants while we were in Pakistan as missionaries. But God really is using some other ways and means besides missionaries having boots on the ground. He's also using media in a profound way. Let's go to the next slide. So when it comes to countries, we're the fifth largest country in the world. See, you see China is number one, India number two. The third largest is the United States, then Indonesia, which is the largest Muslim country in the world. And in probably within 10 years, Pakistan will pass Indonesia as being the largest country in the world with 220 million people. The United States has 330 million people. But Pakistan is the size of California and Nevada put together. So you see this massive population of people in a very, very small space. And so in 2021, looking at 220 million, but by 2051, be 320 million people. So the population is very young, and it's growing exponentially. And what really interests us in POC 7 is that 75% of the population is under the age of 15. So this is really directing our vision and our mission, how we are doing ministry amongst Muslims and amongst the church in Pakistan. Let's go to the next slide. And so here's our, our vision and our mission. Our vision is to glorify God and for him to be enjoyed in Pakistan, for his church to be built up in the knowledge of God and the appreciation of the gospel and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the people of Pakistan to be transformed by God's love. So we work closely with the national church because they're on the ground there. And then our mission is to serve Pakistani Christians and their witness to Jesus Christ and the gospel through exceptional television programming. 
And we're really trying to bring the church together because unity is absolutely vital in the local church and also in the body of Christ as well. And we work with many denominations. We work with the Assemblies of God, of course, but we also work with Presbyterians and Anglicans and anybody who is a conservative in their theology, which those groups are in Pakistan, conservative in their theology, because with such a massive amount of people to reach, you just can't be one small group, one small denomination that is going to be focused on. And what I really like about what we're doing, and I'm just so happy that Malia and Pastor were able to meet Nana, is that all of our production is done by Pakistanis for Pakistanis in Pakistan. So everything we do is produced in country. We don't produce it in Europe. We don't produce it in the United States. Let's go ahead and move forward. Now, here are the four areas of focus that we have. The one area is unique. This has never been done before in Pakistan. We are actually developing TV programs, and we have two series that are in edit right now that we want to sell to television stations in Pakistan for them to project, which allow Muslims in that country to see Christians in a different light, because Christians are a very oppressed minority in Pakistan, probably about 2.5 million out of 220 million people. And so we want to use media to be able to change attitudes about Christians in Pakistan. The other area is social media, which is a personal engagement. And let me add this, we never put our name, Pak7, on any of our social media, and I'll tell you why in just a little bit. The third area is Christian TV, which is faith building. I told you that 75% of the population is under, seven, is under 15 years of age. Well, we are gearing a lot of programming to children, youth and to women because these are the populations that are the future in mass within Pakistan. So this is very prophetic in a way in that we're hitting these young generations with biblical truth so that they can have an openness to receive Jesus and then also be more engaging towards Christians. And then the fourth area is capacity building and that's equipping in media. Right now we have 35 young women and men who are in near the capital of Pakistan, and we are training them in the areas of media where they will work with Pak7, or they may start their own businesses that will help them get started, or they even begin to work in the secular fields of media as well, but we're doing this training to help build capacity. Okay, let's move ahead and break these down a bit. Here's national TV, what I talked about just a little bit earlier, programs that change attitudes. We're doing a program now that's in the editing stage called Community Makeover, and it's demonstrating the Christian's contribution to society and to culture. We went into a hospital, and we redone it, and Christians did it. And so when Muslims see this, they say, wow, these Christians, they really do care about our society. Look at the kind of impact they're making. Maybe we should be doing things like that, too. And then there's another one called Video Star, which is based on our first media school back in 2019. We had to skip last year because of COVID. And it portrays Christians as educated, positive, and normal. Because as a minority in Pakistan, Christians are looked at as being abnormal. Why don't you become a Muslim? Everybody else is. Well, this shows them what kind of value they bring, but also that they are normal as well. And it's okay that they may be considered becoming a Christian. And then uh, these are intended for secular TV, YouTube, and other means as well. Let's go to the next dynamic. And this is one of our students, uh, Amus, and just a quote by him. We can go ahead and move on, but he graduated from the program and now works with us. Social media, videos that lead to online chat. So on our Facebook page, 
which we don't have the POC7 name on because it's evangelistic. <laughs> uh, we are sharing the gospel with Muslims and telling them how to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And then we have things that they can connect with to be discipled. So without POC7 being on that, we have these short videos for Facebook and YouTube. On this website, there's also testimonies and Christ of, of Christian truths, and then online articles and online chat. And then we pray for people in their situation. We have a Muslim background believer who was a person who used to be a Muslim, but now he's a follower of Jesus that leads our team on the ground there. And so when young men and women begin to respond and are interested in coming to know Jesus or they're wanting to get a Bible or wanting to know what it means to be a Christian, they then talk with these young people and then we direct them in conversation. We also even then direct them to a local church that has an interest in reaching out to Muslims. And so... It's, it's very exciting what happens. I'll share some of the statistics. Go to the next slide. So here we go. <laughs> Over 13 million, and this data is about two weeks old right now, 13 million people have been reached, quote, reached on Facebook with our video content. There are about 70 million internet users in Pakistan. So 13 million have actually engaged this website. That is a huge number. The years that we are on the ground in Pakistan and though we started Teen Challenge and we did church planting, we, we never were able to share with 13 million people the gospel of Jesus Christ. But through this media platform of social media, we're able to do that. Over 30 million video views, of which 8 million have been watched to more than 95% completion. This is Facebook analytics. This isn't our analytics, but this is what Facebook is telling us. And this number here of 30 million views and then on top of that, 8 million at 95% or more viewed to completion is an astronomical number. So that means that what we're producing and putting out there, people are watching, and it's influencing their lives. And then we've had 750 good conversations where we've prayed with people uh, and, and talked with the person who wrote to us. So 750 doesn't sound like a lot, but really in the Muslim world, that is a lot, and even that number is a bit dated as well. So we're very excited about this dynamic, and it started last May when COVID ramped up, and the Holy Spirit said, jump onto the social media platform, because so many of the other things got quashed because of COVID, but this was God's mind, and it just took off. It is doing great. Let's go to the next slide. Well, 100 people per week are contacting us. Many of them are deep conversations. A number develop into Bible exploration. Uh, you can just go through. This is one conversation we had. Just go ahead and work through, and there's some copy that comes up. It says One person said to us, can you give me a ghost? I don't know why the person wanted a ghost. That's weird. And then our responders said, why? And the person said, I need a true friend. And then the responder from Pac-7 said, if you really need a true friend, you could be a friend of Jesus. And the man said, okay, then let's make me a friend of Jesus. And so that kind of thing is happening over and over again. Let's continue on. Christian TV, programs that grow our faith. Uh, most TV channels are producing are on satellite in Pakistan, and they're just a lot of preaching and teaching, and that's okay. But really, what we found from the data is nobody's watching them. And only 25% of people in Pakistan watch television by satellite. The rest are cable or terrestrial. And so we want to be able to have all the means of people viewing so we reach the whole country. And so we want to produce quality TV. A lot of the Christian TV that's there now, it doesn't have information or 
stuff for children, for youth, and for women. We want to have a unique niche and be able to flow in those dynamics because that's the future. Those people are the future of Pakistan. And then most Pakistani uh, TV is on cable, but Christian TV is on satellite. And as I just said, we want to be able to reach the whole country, not just 25% of it. So we're looking at these other areas to have venue and to have influence also. Continue. Uh, this is one of our board members in Pakistan, a medical doctor. And when it comes to children, she says, it's very easy to trample and cut down a young soft tree. If we send our kids out without giving them Jesus, we are endangering their lives in this world. And she's absolutely true about that. We know about that in our own country. Let's move ahead. And so this is the last part, capacity building, where we actually train young men and women in video production and social media. Uh, it, we're building a pool of Christian media professionals that pack seven and other ministries, because we don't want to keep them to ourselves. We want to share them with others. Can draw from a media school that's happening right now in Pakistan with 35 young people. Then they go into internships to apply their skills in real life settings. And then we have short-term courses that we're doing around the country. And we're also setting up, as I said, small business initiatives where our graduates can then set up their own business. And we hope to then go to them and say, hey, we need some production in this kind of area. Can you do that for us? And so we just want to exponentially grow the influence of Christians in the area of media. And we all know that media is what really shapes a nation. I mean, it shapes the United States of America like no other medium, not newspapers, not anything else. The primary means of media is what we see and what we hear, uh, very much like we're going to see in the scriptures today. Okay, let's go to the last slide for this part. And this is one of our graduates who now works with us. Her name is Sana. And she says, the change which I felt in my life after being part of the media school is faith. I'm now doing my internship, but my faith has really, really, really increased. So a big part of our training with these young men and women just isn't in television or in makeup or in any other kind of media uh, aspect that's out there, but also to grow them to deepen their relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's happening. Okay, move ahead. And you all are doing this. Uh, we're here at your church. You are praying for us. And if you're interested in more information about POC7, just go to POC7.org, P-A-K-7.org. Some people have asked, what in the world does POC7 mean? Well, the word Pak in Urdu, which is the national language of Pakistan, and of course is in the name Pakistan, Pak means pure. Like for the Holy Spirit in Urdu, which is the language of Pakistan, Pakru, Pakru is Holy Spirit. So Pak means pure, and seven is just the number of completion in the scripture. And so what we want to do is communicate the pure gospel until Jesus Christ returns, until he brings forth that completion. So that's what our name means. And so with that, we want to thank you again for allowing Pastor and Malia to come. It was just a wonderful time at Big Cedar. It was our first event, and the Lord blessed it greatly. And uh, we hope and pray that you'll prayerfully participate with us as well. Just really intercede because God's doing tremendous things in one of the most fundamental Muslim countries in the world. But because of prayer and because of ministries like POC7 and the work that missionaries have done in the past, great things are happening. I might add that we have no missionaries on the ground in Pakistan. They've all been kicked out. So through media, we are able to do the work of mission, even though people aren't on the ground. Still, Pakistanis are hearing the gospel and coming to Jesus through God's technology, through God's truth. And so with that, thank you. 
So let's get to God's word this morning, and we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and the Lord laid this message on my heart this week. I spent this past week teaching at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, a, a class on ministry to Muslims in urban context. And in my devotional time as I was praying, I came across Acts chapter 4, verse 7, and what built up from that was something that within my heart I resonated that I believe God wants me to speak and share this at Nelsonville Assembly of God this Sunday. So I'm really sharing with you this morning what the Lord has laid on my heart. So with one last time, let's stand and let's pray and ask God to give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us as the church. So if you would, please stand and let's ask the Lord to give us ears to hear. Lord, we thank you for this time we have together. This church is a church that we thoroughly enjoy coming to. We enjoy coming here, Lord, not because of the beautiful surroundings. We enjoy coming here not because of this beautiful building. We enjoy coming here not because of the great food that we've talked about already. We come here because this church is people, and the people in this church have such a heart and a mind for you and the furtherance of your kingdom locally and globally. And so it's an honor to be here this morning. And Lord, I ask that you will take this word that I believe that you've given, that you would have this congregation to hear on this particular date, and that you will make this word incarnate in their lives, that, Lord, they would leave this place and they would sense within their hearts they have heard a word from the Lord, and, Lord, that it would change them, transform them, disciple them in ways that you are beckoning them to as your followers. So, Lord, we ask this morning that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church at Nelsonville. In Jesus' strong name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I don't know about you, but this morning, I woke up around 5 o'clock. I usually wake up between 4.30 and 5, but I don't wake up to this. I woke up to a rooster crowing. I mean, that rooster in the back of Pastor and Malia's yard was going to town. And I actually went out later in the morning and took a picture of the chicken coop, and there's two roosters in there. There's two roosters. So I don't know if they were having a rooster crowing contest or what, but that rooster was crowing, and as I was laying there listening to it, I thought of some wonderful memories I had because my mother's a farm girl. She grew up in Indiana on the farm, and all my mother's side of the family are farmers. And I remember waking up in those days when I was a child in Indiana to the crowing of a rooster. And uh, without even saying anything to Linda, she said the same thing, hearing the roosters crow where she grew up in the Dominican Republic. And as I was listening to that rooster and just remembering, my mind went to the Apostle Peter. (laughs) And I thought to myself, how ironic that I'm going to be talking about Peter this morning, and the first thing that came to my mind when I heard that rooster crowing was not what we read in the text today, but about Peter denying Jesus three times when the rooster crowed. And I thought to myself, how did this man, who would literally be there at the trial of Jesus and see him being tried, and as he warmed himself by the fire, how could he, when a little girl accused him of being with Jesus, how could he, that man, that coward, be the man that we're going to talk about this morning who isn't afraid of anything or anyone? And I thought to myself, there's only one 
reason why. And that brings us to our text of Scripture this morning in Acts chapter 4, verses, 20, uh, verses 1 through 22. And this first part of the message I want to share with you this morning is for us to understand that the world of the first century that we're looking at here, because Acts was written in the first century, their world is very much our world today. Robert Weber is one of my favorite people to read. And just before he died of pancreatic cancer, he used to be a professor at Wheaton, and then he was a professor at the seminary where I got my doctorate. He wrote a book, Who Gets to Narrate the World? And in his book, Who Gets to Narrate the World? Robert Weber writes that there are three narratives in the world today that are calling out for the world's attention. One narrative that is out there, and I understand that many in this congregation are educators, and you probably face this more than anyone on a daily basis, is secular humanism. Secular humanism is a narrative that's beckoning people that says, really, humans can work their way out of their own problems. There's no need for God. Or we can have God as a side interest, but he doesn't need to be the core of our lives. So secular humanism is popular, and that's a narrative. And he said the other narrative that's strong in the world today that's pushing out its message is the narrative of fundamentalist Islam. Because Islam is an evangelistic religion, just like Christianity, and the goal of Islam is to make the entire world Islamic. And then the third narrative that's calling out for people to listen to it is the Christian narrative, or the, the biblical narrative, and that's us. It's the story that God wants us to tell in our world. And that's what he was beckoning even to the early church that we read about here in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 21. And I'm not going to read the entire passage of Scripture, but I'm going to hit on certain verses that I want us to look at this morning. Because the time of the Gospels and the book of Acts, as I said earlier, is very much like our time today. You know, the church was birthed in Jerusalem, and at that time in history, Judaism was at an apex. It was at the very climax of actually fulfilling what God wanted the Jews to do, and that was to go out and to proclaim the truth of God as we see it in the Old Testament. That's why there were synagogues all over the Greco-Roman world, because they were actually going out and doing it. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, you travel over water and over hills, but you go to make them a son of hell like yourself. And so they were reaching out. For Islam, excuse me, Judaism at that time was extremely fundamental, but yet, in this context of Jerusalem, the epicenter of Judaism of the day, Jerusalem is where God decided to start his church on the day of Pentecost. In the most obstinate, the most resistant environment possible on the planet at that time, God says, this is where I'm going to begin my church, in Jerusalem, but not just in Jerusalem, in the temple at that. The heart of Judaism at that time. And to think of the boldness of God, that he would say to his church, this is where you're going to start. This is where you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is where the church will be birthed in the world, in Jerusalem. But then also at the time were Greco-Roman religions, and they're like the secular humanism of today, only with polytheistic gods attached to them. If you didn't have your way and flow within the religions of the day, then your business could be curtailed. If you didn't worship the emperor as a god, you could be killed as a Roman citizen. And so this world that we are living in today is very much like the world of the first century. And that's the glorious thing about the Bible. It's a timeless book. 
And that's why we can apply what we learn from the scriptures into our lives today and know that what we are learning and what we are applying is not antiquated, but it is as relevant today in 2021 as it was in the first century. And so in this passage here, we see Peter and John have gone to the temple and they have evangelized this man who was at the beautiful gate. He was crippled. He had been there for 40 years. And he had probably been passed by Jesus many times at the beautiful gate. And here he is, and he looks up at them, and he begs of them in Acts chapter 3 to give him something. He wants some money. And Peter and John say those classic words, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus rise up and walk. And it says that Peter reached out his hand and helped the man up, and that the man began to run and to leap and to praise the Lord. And the essence of that is, it wasn't done under a bushel basket or in private. It was done in the temple, at the beautiful gate. It was done in such a way that everybody knew about it. And everybody wanted to know what in the world is going on. And when they were accosted by the religious leaders, Peter, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, begins to speak. And when he says this, he says these words that are so profound to us, that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And then it goes on to say in verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men who they were astonished and they took note of these, excuse me, and they took note of these men that had been with Jesus. The dynamic of the power of the Holy Spirit was at work in Peter's life, and that's what turned him from the coward with the rooster crowing into the man that could stand up in front of these religious leaders. Because earlier in Acts chapter 7, verse 4, these very religious leaders said about Peter, they said these words, by what power or what name did you do this? How did this happen that this man was healed? By what power and what name? Well, Peter goes on to describe the name and the power by which the man was healed. They're using the name of Jesus, and they're flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yet they were commanded not to teach or to speak at all in the name of Jesus. It reminds me of the time when we were missionaries in Pakistan, and we were starting Teen Challenge. And... I was doing a lot of work with different government agencies in Pakistan, and I was asked to go to the Ministry of Anti-Narcotics. And so I went to this Ministry of Government. It's like going to Washington, D.C., and going to whatever Ministry of Government that they wanted me to talk to. So I was at the Ministry of Anti-Narcotics, and I went to see the minister, the top man in this particular position. And I went in, and we sat down. He said, now tell me about this Teen Challenge. And so I told him about Teen Challenge. And it was interesting, he said, what does this word teen mean, you know, T-E-E-N? And I thought, oh boy, you know, how am I going to explain what a teenager is? Because Teen Challenge reaches out beyond teenagers. Men in their 40s and 50s and 60s can go to Teen Challenge. And so I thought about this, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gave me the words to say. You see, the word teen in Urdu, the national language of Pakistan, means three. It means three. So in other words, he's thinking three challenge. Not teenager challenge, but three challenge. And I said, well, I said, what it means, it means that we challenge the drug addict to be set free in body, in mind, and in spirit. 
And he goes, oh, Dr. Mark, this is a wonderful program. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, it was like, this came to me. It had to be the Holy Spirit's leading. And then he goes on and he asks me a question. He says, let me ask you this. Now, this program is Christian, and you're going to be having Muslims come into this program. Are you going to try to proselytize them? I said, no, we don't proselytize anyone. We are going to evangelize them. There's a big difference between evangelizing and proselytizing. Proselytizing is changing religions. Evangelism is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ and embracing him and bringing him into one's life. And I said, no, we're going to share the good news of Jesus so that they can be set free from drugs. And again, he goes, oh, Dr. Mark, this is a wonderful program. Just because he didn't understand the word evangelism. And I didn't take the time to explain it to him either. And he left it at that, and I left it at that. The Bible says where there are many words, sin is not absent, so I just let that go. <laughs> you see, there is not a government, there's not a religion, there's not an institution that can control the Holy Spirit. All of the above can write their policies, but the Holy Spirit and the incarnate Word of God, Jesus Christ, will have his will done on earth as it is in heaven. And so they said to them, do not speak or teach in this name. And they knew that they could not stop speaking about what they have seen and heard. Those are the very words that Peter and John said to the group that was there before them. You see, you can regulate not saying the name of Jesus, but you cannot regulate the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. And what we have to realize in whatever setting we're in, whether it's in the concentric circles of your lives, whether it's in the military, whether it is in the school, whether it's in government, the Holy Spirit is at work right now. He is at work and he is readying the hearts of women and men to embrace him as Savior and God. Oh, we may, may not be able to say the name of Jesus in some settings, but eventually the Holy Spirit will have his way, and at the right time and at the right place, the name of Jesus will be able to be spoken, and people, because the Spirit has already prepared them, will receive Jesus into their lives as Savior and God. That's the way I feel about Pac 7. The 70 million Internet users, we're up to 13 now. But the rest of them, God's already working on the hearts of the people of Pakistan for them to leave the counterfeit religion of Islam to embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Because in Islam, he's a mere prophet. But we know that he's the prophet, he's the priest, he's the king, and the Spirit of God is already preparing their hearts to embrace him. So just think about every unbeliever that you know. Every unbeliever that you know in your family in your neighborhood, in your workplace, the Spirit of God is already working on their hearts for you, for them to receive him into their lives. And you're going to be a part of that process as we see the Scripture calls us to be and do. So the world can attempt to suppress the name of Jesus, but the works of the world cannot contain the power of the Spirit of Jesus, and that is the Holy Spirit. So we see that our world is their world. What was going on then is going on now. There is nothing new under the sun. I love the name of uh, a young man I met this morning, Solomon. And he wrote those very words. There's nothing new under the sun. The oppression, the obstinance that we feel today in secular society, they were facing it to much greater degrees than we could ever imagine facing it. So our world is their world, and therefore that means our response needs to be what their response was as well. 
Look at Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. What does the early church do? The early church, in the persecution they're beginning to face, begin to wring their hands, do they begin to worry? Are they filled with any kind of anxiety or fear? Absolutely not. What do they do? They go to prayer. And they go to prayer, and as they pray, they say this in verse 24. It says, they raise their voices together in prayer. The word together in the original language means harmony. It's a musical term. This was a body of believers that were in harmony, in unity with one another. Did they have disagreements? Absolutely. But they didn't have the spirit of disagreement about them. Psalm 133 verses 1 and 3 say this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. And so if you want blessing upon Nelsonville Assembly of God, if any church wants the blessing of God upon it, there's going to be that striving that together we are going to go forth in the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. That's where the Lord bestows his blessing. That's exactly what's happening in the text here that we're talking about today. And never forget in Pakistan, we had a very, very gifted missionary. He could speak the language fluently. He could play a local instrument. And unfortunately, he had a lot of challenges from his back life. And it really came out in his relationships with other missionaries. And the sad thing was, there was always this disruption on the mission field because even though he was so gifted and talented, we actually got our call to Pakistan through his ministry. That once we got there and we saw the disruption that his life caused, as a field, we had to vote him off the field to not be a missionary with us anymore. And what happened after he left? All of a sudden, all the ministries that the missionaries were trying to do just blossomed and they grew. Why? Because he was bringing such a spirit of disharmony and disunity amongst the missionaries that were there. They pray in verses 24 through 28, Sovereign Lord, they recognize that prayer begins in understanding that God is in absolute control. And in our world today, we have a lot of apprehensions, a lot of concerns. You know, the reintroduction of this Delta variant of COVID with who gets into political office and all these other things that cause us to be concerned. We have to understand, first of all, this as followers of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is greater than COVID. <laughs> that Jesus is greater than who's ever in politics. Jesus is Lord. That was what the early church said. Just think about it in the first century. Who was on the throne? It was Caesar, and Caesar said, worship me or die. That's a far worse condition to be in than what we are in today. But yet this church advanced itself because it saw the sovereign Lord was in absolute control, and that's why we've got to give God sovereignty in every area of our life each and every day, whether it's in our homes or in the workplace or in our society as well. We have done missions all over the Muslim world, and in every place we do missions in the Muslim world, Christians are the overwhelming minority, and the government is against them. The institutions are against them. If they're in the military, they can only advance to a certain rank and not beyond a certain rank. Everything works against them. But yet, the church is growing in Muslim countries like never before in history. Why is that? 
because the sovereign God is in control. And Islam cannot stand up against the sovereign God. Islam will crash and fall. It will end someday. And it will end because there's a church in all of these Muslim countries that have been built because of media, because of missionaries on the ground, because above all, the sovereign Lord has gone before and prepared the hearts of women and men to know Jesus as Savior and God. In verse 29, this early church prayed to speak the word with great boldness. When I was in Pakistan, the first Muslim I had a chance to lead to the Lord was the manager of the guest house we were staying when we first got there. His name was Askar. And we got to talking with one another. And one day he said, Mark, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yes. He says, well, I'm a Muslim. And he said, but if you could recommend any Christian books to me, what would you recommend? All of a sudden, my mind begins to think about C.S. Lewis, A.W. <laughs> Tozer, because he could read English fluently. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, why would you give him those books when you can give him my word? I thought, that's a great idea. <laughs> and so I said, let me ask you this. I think the greatest book I can recommend is the Bible. Would you like to have a Bible in Urdu? Oh, Absolutely. And so I got him a Bible in Urdu. He started reading it. Matter of fact, he read through the entire New Testament in a matter of days. And I'll never forget the days sitting in the lobby of that guest house. We were together. No one else was around. And tears were streaming down his face. And he said to me, and this is unique for a Muslim, he said, Mark, I no longer believe the Quran, which is the holy book of Islam. I no longer believe the Quran is the word of God. I believe the Bible is the word of God. You see, nothing can hinder the work of the Holy Spirit, but we as God's people need to do what they did in the first century, and that is we need to pray that we will speak the word with great boldness. They were commanded not to, but what is the thing that they pray? They pray that they will speak the word with great boldness. I'll never forget, and I hesitate to share this illustration with you, but when I think about another man I know who came to Christ in Pakistan, because it ties in with verse 30, it says that they pray that in verse 30 that the word of God would be confirmed with healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. So you see this tandem, verse 29, speak the word of boldness, but they never side in verse 30, and but... Let the God confirm his word in healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. And so one day, one of my friends who I went to language school with who was studying English, his name was Noor, he <clears throat> came to me and he said, uh, Mark, I'd like, to, I'd like to study the Bible and I'd like to study the Quran together. I said, okay, let's study the Bible and Quran together, but let's look at themes that are mutual in the Bible and the Quran. So we started doing that. Pretty soon he got to the point where he didn't want to study the Quran anymore. He just wanted to study the Bible with me. And so I told him about the healing power of Jesus and about the place of prayer and how God intervenes in our lives today. And so one day I went to school and I was hoping to see him. And he, I got news from one of our mutual friends that he was in a bicycle wreck and that he'd been knocked off his bicycle by a car and that his skull had hit the curb and that he had had a fractured skull on the concussion. I found out the hospital that he was in, so I got one of my friends who was from Switzerland, a Swiss Pentecostal named Stefan. And Stefan and I went to the hospital and we found where Noor was. And in Pakistan, there's just like big rooms like this and there are beds. It's like a big ward. And so we found Noor and he was laying there in his bed and he was like thrashing back and forth because of the pain 
<clears throat> I said, Nor, this is Mark, and Stefan's with me. With, how can we pray for you? And he said, Mark, pray that Jesus heals me. Now, he's in this hospital ward full of Muslims. His family's there. But he's saying, Mark, pray that Jesus heals me. And so Stefan and I laid hands on him, and we prayed just boldly, out loud, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And so after that, he died, his, his thrashing back and forth subsided, and we said goodbye. I said, hey, we'll be back tomorrow. And so the next day, I come back, and I go to the very bed he was in, and, and the sheets pulled over his head. Now, what does that mean in our culture? He's finished. <laughs> In Pakistan, it means you want privacy. <laughs> so they don't have that pull the sheet over the person's head in their culture. And so I'm standing there, and I brought my friend who was a Canadian doctor with me. And she knew who Noor was, and so she looked at his chart at the end of the bed, and she's looking at it, and we haven't seen his face. And she says, you know, they're checking him for a thyroid problem. I said, oh, really? I said, well, he's never mentioned that. And then she says, well, this is odd. They're also looking at him for prostate issues as well. And I thought, why do you? He's 22 years old. What in the world? And so I asked the family, I said, uh, can I pull the sheet down? And, and, and so I they said, yes. And, and so I pulled the sheet down, and it was like this 60-year-old guy laying there. <laughs> it wasn't Noor. <laughs> he, wasn't, he was gone. And so, thank you. <laughs> I said, Dr. Jitty, let's get out of here. <laughs> so we left. She goes, where are we going to go? I said, we're going to go to Noor's house. And so we went to Nora's house, and Dr. Jenny was a follower of Jesus, but she didn't believe in healing. And so we knocked on Nora's door. Who answered the door but Nora? And he invites us to come in. He goes to the kitchen like all Pakistanis do, brings out tea and cookies. That's the custom. You always eat and drink at a Pakistani's home. He doesn't say a word. We're sitting there. Dr. Jenny's ranting and raving. Why is he out of the hospital? He has a concussion. He has a fractured skull. He should be in the hospital. They're, they're, they're fools for letting him go out of the hospital. On and on she went. Finally, he comes back in, and he sits down next to me, and he looks at me, and he says, Mark, was I healed by the power of Jesus that you've taught me about? And I said, yes, Nor. You were healed by the power of Jesus. About three months later, he gave his life to Jesus as Savior and Lord. You see, what they did then, we're to do now. God confirms his word in healings, signs, wonders, and miracles. And then in verse 31, to conclude, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. My friends, seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit every day. It's not a one-off in our lives. We need the Spirit's empowering for everything we do in life, whether it's in our home, at our jobs, in our community, in our church. We need to say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And it's just not so that we can feel good. It's so that we can serve in the military with a dynamic witness. It's so that we can sell horses with a testimony that people know that we are different. It's so that we can be able to go to the classroom <clears throat> and so that we can be that influence of Christ in that setting that is many times anti-Christ. But we need the name and the power that was spoken of in these two chapters of Scripture. The name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so with that, that's how we go to Pakistan and accomplish the work that God's called us to do through Pak 7. But that's how we go into the region of Nelsonville and reach this part of this state with the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will empower us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, as they did in the first century, which is a time very much like our own today, we ask, Lord, that we would not worry about what's happening around us, but that we would rejoice that you're the sovereign God and that you will endure us with your power so that we can be your bold witness and so that we can even pray for others and see you confirm your word in healing signs, wonders, and miracles. Continually fill us with your Holy Spirit to be the women and the men of God you have called us to be, whether it's in Nelsonville or Pakistan. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Amen. Pastor? Thank you. We're going to um, take just a few moments as we do at the end of every service just to respond to the Lord. Um, the thing I, I love about Mark and Linda um, and the reason they came last year um, for the Beyond Borders weekend was not only just the, in, the information they have, not just the passion to reach the Muslim world and all that kind of great stuff. The, the thing that stands out to me about them is they obey what, what we're told in the word in the book of James. Do not just be hearers but be doers of the word. And uh, they are in everything they do, everywhere they go. Um, we talked about that the, the last time they were here. Um, they're the kind of people who it doesn't matter if they're in Pakistan, they're on the mission field, they, they've got something to do there, or if they're sitting at a coffee shop in uh, the, the city and someone comes up, they will engage in this same mission, proclaim the name of Jesus. And so they're, they're great examples for you and I in that. They're a great challenge to you and I to think about our own lives. Maybe we're not going to Pakistan. Maybe we're not going overseas. But we have people all around us who need the gospel. Amen? And we are the people who are being sent to share that. So, Wendy, if you and the team will come. We're going to just take a few moments. We're going to have one final song to sing. You and the Lord have something to do now. You and the Lord need to think, okay, God, you've put me here. You've put me in this place. you put people around me to proclaim the gospel to be about the name and the power of God, what would you have me do? Who would you have me talk to? How would you have me fulfill this mission? So before we go any further, before we do anything else, let's give a few moments for the Holy Spirit to, to lead us, to open our eyes, our hearts, our minds to what it is that he would have us do tomorrow and the day after, here, at jobs, at the store, wherever we may find ourselves. The altars are going to be open. The, the song will be played. We're, we're going to take a few moments. You can sing. You can pray. If you'd like to pray with me, you'd like to pray with Mark or Linda, um, please come to the front and uh, get us. We'll, we'd love to, to do that. But let's take these moments to respond to the Lord before we leave this place today. Let's sing and worship.